everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 12, issue 600. Goodness me. Demon Souls 2020 version. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, James Carter. I need your business. <laughs> he does sound a bit like you, to be fair. <laughs> uh, Rich Davison. Soul of the mine, Kedal, I see for Soul of the Lost, withdrawn from its vessel. Yeah. You sound less like the one in the game. <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite as lilting, am I? <laughs> and Thomas Quillfelt. You have a heart of gold. Don't let them take it from you. Hmm. Um, I think James's Scottish accent was more convincing on the whole. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> I, I don't, well I don't usually do um, quotes from the game on the, on the intro, but I felt with this one I had kind of a leg up, so apologies yeah. for cheating. Yeah, <laughs> it's delightful. So, Demon's Souls is its a third-person action role-playing game. It was covered previously in Cane and Rinse way back March 2014, a show in which uh, James here and uh, Tony and previous Sean <laughs> and Darren <laughs> Foreman, also of, of the even more Scottish accent, oh, talked yeah. about the original PS3 incarnation of Demon's Souls, and I guess at that point, although we were, we did it latterly, a few years after the success, the breakout success of Dark Souls and possibly even Dark Souls 2 by that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and so we were, when we, when that show was made, we were aware that this this game had gone on to, you know, have this influence. Maybe we were, we were probably only at the first flush of, other developers trying to make games that were quite a lot like Dark Souls because Dark Souls had done so phenomenally well. But um, I'm sure in that show, uh, you talked about FromSoft's legacy and their work going all the way back to the uh, 16 and 32-bit days and so on and so forth. But today we're obviously focusing on the PS5 launch game, the remake or remaster. Semantics are complicated. There's so many variations of what you might call a remake or a remaster. I don't really know where I'd put this one because it is both, but it's yeah. it's probably closer to a remake, but it's also fundamentally takes every bit of gameplay uh from the original and doesn't it doesn't do like a Resident Evil 4 where you've actually changed whole sections or, you know, made it so that it feels different mechanically. It's all still in there. It's very much like what Blue Point did with Shadow of the Colossus in that regard, but of course for good or ill, depending on your own tastes, uh, it also changes the way the game looks and sounds to some extent. And obviously, we'll talk about what we think about that. And we've also got plenty of correspondence contributions along those lines. Obviously, uh, it was published by Sony as a launch game for the uh, PS5. It was directed by Gavin Moore who had previously worked on Puppeteer for PS3, so had some PS3 experience as well, but was the creative director on this one for Bluepoint. And obviously Hidetaka Miyazaki directed the original Demon's Souls. Can't go without crediting him, I wouldn't have said. Never heard uh, of him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The game was released when the PS5 released. So that was uh, in North America and Australasia, November the 12th, 2020, and the rest of the world, November the 19th, 2020. I'm at the point where time goes very fast because I'm 
quite old and these consoles still feel like they're new to me but actually that was over three years ago at this point so we're kind of heading for halfway through the generation time for stein from our patreon says an observation demon souls on the ps3 had some truly amazing artwork of the game's various npcs during loading screens a small detail that helped with the world building since loading is almost non-existent in the remake the awesome artwork is sadly gone too a small price to pay perhaps but noteworthy nonetheless. The game, this version, reviewed back in 2020, was reviewed by a lot of people because it was uh, the big noise around the new console. Reviewed by 122 outlets, 99% of them recommended it and it averaged 92%. User reviews are slightly less enthusiastic, but still pretty positive. I don't know if it's been subject to any uh, review bombing due to console exclusivity or any other perceived slights on certain communities or whatever else. But Metacritic has it at an 8.1 from nearly 4000 folks and the IMDb has an 8.5 out of 10 from getting on for one and a half thousand folks. Talking Taters from our forum says Demon Souls was half the reason I bought a PS5 and it didn't disappoint Bluepoint really knows how to make a pretty remaster and Demon's Souls is no exception. Still one of the best looking games on the system. They did such a great job utilising lighting in a way that really emphasised the fantastic visual designs. It might be the aggressively high fidelity, but I prefer the look and atmosphere of Demon's Souls to the Dark Souls games. In terms of gameplay and overall design, it's interesting to go back to the series' origin. The levels are usually far more challenging than the bosses, which are usually closer to a puzzle rather than the pure combat challenge most of the interactions would have. It's also interesting to look at in comparison to Elden Ring, which streamlined and simplified a lot of systems to let the player get straight to the most satisfying parts with a lot more room for interpretation. Overall, it's still a fantastic game that's well worth checking out if you ever enjoyed the Souls series. And sales were reported back in September 2021 at over 1.4 million copies. I imagine that's probably gone up a bit since then. And I think, is the game, is games on one of the tiers of PlayStation yeah, Plus? Yeah, PS Plus Extra, I believe. Extra, okay. With their incredibly confusing um, and Byzantine <laughs> uh, yeah. rental system. But um, chances are, if you're listening to this, there's a reasonable chance you've, and you've got a PS5, there's a reasonable chance you've got access to the game. Uh, if not, I imagine it's cheap to buy a disc probably at this point as well. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would imagine so. Uh, just on the sales numbers there, 1.4 million by September 2021 is actually quite an achievement because the attach rate to PlayStation 5s, mm. that's pretty high. I don't have numbers of console to hand, but they were mm. struggling to get PlayStation 5s out the door for a good year after so. after yeah. release. So um, yeah. that that's actually pretty good. And I would imagine oh, yeah. that, yeah. At release, this was one of the games that people were kind of speaking about. Well, actually, it was one of the few PS5 exclusive games. There were, you know, yeah, um, absolutely. Miles, Miles Morales yeah. was absolutely a Sony PlayStation exclusive, but you could also play it on PS4. So uh, this was definitely one of the games that people sort of said, if you're getting a PlayStation 5, absolutely. get this. And I think that would have persisted. So I don't know what yeah. the sales copies are today, and Sony have no need to publish them obviously yeah um but yeah i bet that's a lot higher now so james i think you've been on most if not all of our bromsoft podcasts oh that's a question i feel like there's one i dipped out on maybe uh, uh yeah. but let's say if, suffice to say you're, you're yeah, a, yeah you're a fan yeah yeah, yeah. uh so <laughs> uh, yes, so yeah. did you uh did you manage to get a ps5 at launch is my next question and therefore 
buy the game at launch? Uh, well, I I got not one but three PlayStation Fives at launch. One of which well, that's landed right because I took so, one of your pre-orders, yeah. didn't I? Yeah, yeah. Just uh, for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I yeah, it, it was one of those weird situations where I probably knew I wasn't going to get both consoles because they released a week apart in November 2020. Yeah. Uh, and it was kind of like, oh, I probably play a bit more Xbox, but I couldn't not play this, and so it literally was the definition gotcha. of daft behavior, which is I could just wait a year, two years, and then play it, but I yeah, right. bought PlayStation Five essentially to play this, and then obviously yes. played other stuff on it as well. It's not like yeah. it sat gathering dust. It's no. been an incredibly uh, well played yes. console for me, but yes. Um, but yeah, I I, I was there uh, pre-order day for PlayStation 5s, going around every single retailer I could think of. I had multiple tabs open trying to, I think I was actually in the, the bathroom at work, or the locker room at work, I should say, not actually in a cubicle. <laughs> Stood oh, with locker open and yeah, phone in front of me and uh, trousers around there. your ankles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, trying to get and managed to get three... Um, three pre-orders for the console, one of which was a digital console, which I ended up cancelling rather than scalping to someone because that's not my game. Um, And then one for myself, and I I checked with people on uh, on our Slack, and Leon, you you, uh, took me up on the offer of... of I did. ...sending one to you. (laughs) So diverted that, and I I think I had to text you a code on the day. Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that was one that, yeah, it it was a bundle from somewhere... Uh, that I think yeah. had yeah, Demon Souls included, uh, but yeah, there was no way I wasn't playing this on on day one. And sure enough, like, was it twelfth of November off the top of my head, twenty twenty? Uh, I was playing, bought and playing this game, um, and uh, yeah, it, my history goes back as far as I think fifth of January two thousand and eleven is the date that I bought Demon Souls originally. So, oh really? After its initial release in two thousand nine. Um, mm. purely because I'd heard about it, but didn't kind of necessarily think it was for me. And uh, back then, old uh, sort of podcast cohort, uh, Big Red Potion, had named mm. Demon Souls their Game of the Year back-to-back years, 2009-2010, right. based ha. on right. technicalities of when it was released. Um, and at that yeah. point, it was literally end-of-year podcast time, 5th of January. I was like, you know what? I can't not play a game that someone's bending over backwards to give a second Game of the Year award to. Uh, and <laughs> so I, I picked this up and, and that started a, a dark decade for me. <laughs> Basically, everything <laughs> pales in comparison to uh, to um, Demon Souls, then Dark Souls, and then everything else. So, um, so yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh, fair to say that I've got a fairly long history. Uh, this game I picked up at launch, played through... Uh, fairly sort of voraciously to get the platinum which is a heck of a lot easier mm-hmm. than the platinum for the original the original um, one yeah yeah uh and then picked up uh over the last sort of week or so when i i um volunteered to be on this recording and had another uh i called it leisurely you disagree to play uh, 20 hours <laughs> so play through uh, no i get it the, i do get it but yeah it's just the nature of the game isn't it you know 20 yeah. hours is fairly leisurely for this if you know what you're doing where you're going and have a build in mind so uh, I did. Yeah. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I th- so twenty hours from scratch it. without or without a new game plus or with a new game plus. No, no, from scratch. Yeah, brand new yeah, save file. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I had my old save on there with Northern Regalia in hand and thought, you know what? I don't remember what this character was or who they were. Jolene, Jolene yeah. was that character's name. 
Yes. Uh, so I fired up a brand new one called Bluey, um, who was going mm. after the Blue Blood Sword. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, had a good old time. Okay. We'll talk about builds later. Of course, Ooh. Rich, what's your history with Demon Souls 2020 and indeed the original of you? Oh, like? we'll take it in chronological order, I suppose. Sure. So um, I, I was, this is really unlike me because I, I'm generally not on the bleeding edge of kind of important games, but I did play uh, Demon Souls in the summer of 2009, not because I bought it, but a friend bought it. Um, he swears to me that he ordered it from Korea and the manual yeah. that I have a vague memory of certainly did have Asian characters in there. Certainly East Asian characters. So maybe that's where I got mine from as well. There was It was a popular move for, for whatever reason, because I think basically it meant that some of the documentation was in English, that's it. but, uh, and, and obviously the game was region free. So yeah, that I, I, I also had a, yeah, it was either Hong Kong or Korea, one of the Asian territories. Maybe it's, maybe they even share versions, but it wasn't a Japanese copy. So yeah, uh, that, I mean, that, no, that is feasible that you're, I'm isn't. not entirely sure how much the localization of anything helped in the first playthrough because it's <laughs> nah. a very like, um, alien experience. It from... was totally playable in, yeah, in, in, in any language because it was just as obscure in every language. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, so I mean, uh, some of the original, things that were really difficult to wrap your head around as everything was done with symbols. Mm. Um, the, I mean, even the English um, manual, which I looked at about 10 minutes before recording, isn't that great mm. for explanation. No. no, exactly. Certainly with regards to things like scaling of, of things, but um, oh, no. you know, it, it was more of a kind of novelty than anything. And I remember sitting probably two or three nights in a row playing with my friend and just going nowhere, like going nowhere really fast. Yeah. Uh, and the reason that I played through it was purely out of spite, just to spite yeah. him that I could do it and <laughs> that he couldn't. That um, <laughs> the, the, the key appeal for playing Demon Souls and picking up was because it was, it was a game in which you could reasonably have two shields and that was quite novel to us both at the same time. Um, yeah, so so played it then. Picked up my own copy sometime around about 2010. Play, I, I played Demon Souls maybe about 50 times. Um, it, it, going towards the, the PS5, I didn't pick up a PS5 at launch. I picked it about six months later and I did get a copy of Demon Souls packed in there. Um, it was a no-brainer. It was always going to be uh, have a kind of love for Blue Point. I, I'm not really sure why. I just think they sort of have a a craft and, and a, a real eye for, for picking games that just seem to line up with my personal top top 10 games. So mm. I played Demon Souls PS5 maybe about 20 times and, and not too dissimilar from Goodness James. Me. Like I regularly play this game um, as like a palate cleanser. Uh, I can probably, <laughs> genuinely, I can, I can play this game in an evening start to end, maybe two, wow. two and a half hours. You did. You know, it's what? just a very lean experience if you know what you're doing and you know where How? you're going. <laughs> um, tell us later. Don't tell me now. Don't yeah. And mm. in the run-up for this game, I played about, I don't know, four or five different times in the last month. It's been lovely. It's been really nice, including in the, oh, the, nice. the mirror mode, which scrambled my brain a little oh, bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But given Fractual. that we're given the names of our playable mm-hmm. characters, my last one was um, Bra Brer Brian, the Barbarian, uh, and his big old <laughs> cleaver, so... I'm glad yeah, we're all me. taking it very, very seriously. <laughs> Serious role playing uh, here, Leon, <laughs> as I did with with my character Balloon Nistros. <laughs> yeah, um, cool. Uh, I definitely feel like the amateur scrub here, as expected. That's fine. Tom, what about you? Um, I was inducted into the cult of Miyazaki. I think 2012. I picked up 
Dark Souls, maybe 2013 actually, because um, that's Dark Souls, not Demon's Souls. I didn't touch Demon's Souls. Mm. I was aware of it, and there was some good writing, as I say, from Keza, from Rich Stanton, from uh, Simon Parkin, I think, early on about Demon's Souls, or at least the Souls series. So I felt, you know, magnetically pulled towards it. So I did end up getting over the hump in Dark Souls. And then the next game I played was Tomb Raider 2013, completely ruined because you play any sort of third person action game after playing a Souls game and it just absolutely pales in comparison. Um, and then hit, I didn't do, I, did, I didn't quite climb aboard the train because if I had climbed aboard the train, I would have then gone back, I guess, to Demon Souls and looked forward to Dark Souls 2. As it was, it was Bloodborne that became pretty much my favourite game of all time uh just that really got me for some reason and then dark souls 3 skipped sekiro because who's got the time um and then uh yeah really look forward to to this remake in a sort of quiet way like i, I because i'd had demon souls installed on the ps3 since it was on ps plus which must have been i don't know 2015 something like that uh or earlier um and I sort of always meant to, I sort of started it once or twice, always meant to get to the PS3 version. But it felt, this was the wrong feeling, obviously, but it felt like going backwards in terms of the the, the From Software games I'd played since then. So um, this was a chance to kind of go into a super modern version of it, you know, excuse to, to get it on PS5. I actually picked up PS5 pretty quickly as pre-orders came out, but I went for Miles Morales because I had the idea that I would share that with my nephew and i think i got demon souls for christmas and then eventually got to it to 2021 so i wasn't in a hurry really to play it but um i'm really glad that i eventually got to it and yeah played it through the last couple of weeks and i've been playing god of war ragnarok for over 12 months now because it, it it's a very good game but i just don't feel quite compelled always to play it and also having a family it's hard to get um tv time for some reason, Demon Souls just—it's just—it's like cream in your hands. It's like silk. It's just like it's so smooth and Moorish. Um, it just obliterated any any chance of getting back to God of War whilst I was uh, uh, beating Demon Souls for this run. So, um, yeah, that's that's where I'm at now. Um, yeah, so I I don't want this to turn into a therapy session, but for whatever <laughs> reason, despite having uh, bought Demon's Souls both on import and then got the PS Plus version for my PS3, I keep starting it. This is from 2009 onwards and keep getting up to about doing Phalanx and then for whatever reason, not carrying on fear, probably anxiety and the fact that... Um, I don't know. I, yeah. The reason I, I made this sort of therapy illusion is because I think maybe there's something about when I'm playing, I always want to feel like I'm making good progress. And I think the at least the um, reputation of these games made me feel like I was only ever going to be making tiny bits of progress at a time for, the, for a long time. Um, I was always totally enraptured by what i played of them but then found myself pushed away and then obviously there's the cane and rinse aspect of playing other things and so on and so forth um of course i bought dark souls at the time and never get not never got very far with that despite thinking it was obviously really cool um and i played bloodborne um quite a lot 
completed it for the show with the help of James in the end. Uh, there's a there's a, an old Cane and Rinse podcast about that. So I do have experience. Obviously, I did Neo, which is not a FromSoft game, but has a lot of similarities in some ways in the way it plays out. So it's not like I can't do these games. And I've now done Demon's Souls, but for whatever reason, as, as excited as I am for them, I find it quite easy to... It's not really even bouncing off. It's just finding other things just easier to sit down with basically and and not get kind of worked up about i suppose um when i bought my ps5 when i took james's pre-order i was so excited for this game i'd seen previews you know and seen footage seen digital foundry on it and stuff and i just thought as much as i like the original and and i get there are some aesthetic differences i just thought it looked absolutely sensational and it was the game i wanted to play on my ps5 and I got up to the phalanx and then <laughs> poked at some of the other bits and then didn't come back to it for, uh, yeah, basically two and a half years until I came back to it this year. The plan was to play it with my friend Simon, who's over from Japan for an entire year. Um, but as it turned out, demands on his time weren't uh, accommodating. So I've ended up playing it almost, apart from the first couple of sessions, I've, I ended up playing it completely on my own. It took me 60 hours odd to, to beat the game um, and actually ended up finishing it well ahead of schedule because I'd given myself a good good run at it. Um, so, yeah, there we are. I still consider myself a really kind of inexpert player. Um, rather like our Jay, I'm very happy to level to the point of the bosses being not trivial, but uh, but it being far more about the fact that you're strong and uh, than it is about being a great uh, a, a, either a great builder or a, or a great dodger beefy 78 from our patreon says i played demon souls in 2022 for the first time and it was only the second fromsoft game i'd played after dark souls i've since played dark souls 2 and elden ring i only mention this because my experience of this title is in the context of it being a modern current gen title I thought Demon's Souls was a beautiful game that I enjoyed playing. Like the other FromSoft games that I've played, I think its reputation for difficulty is probably overstated. It definitely poses challenges, but they tend to be in the form of obtuse and essentially unexplained gameplay mechanics, which I'm sure most new players have to resort to online tutorials to try to get to grips with. That could be a gripe about most Soulsborne games, but never more apparent than in the first one. I would recommend this game to anyone who wants a showcase for the PS5's graphics or who is new to the Souls series and is happy to put the work in to find out how the thing works and the best order to tackle each level. For me, though, I'm Platinum Dark Souls and I'm working through doing the same with Dark Souls 2 and Elden Ring, but I struggle to see myself coming back to Demon's Souls anytime soon. Would there be a, a recommended order in which you would play if you wanted to play more than one FromSoft souls born oh. type game um that's taken... like a profiling exercise isn't it you can tell a lot about a, a person <laughs> yeah, based around sure. uh, the answer to yeah. those questions it's, um, Probably, it's yeah. a series it's a series that a lot of people s fall into the first one i play is my favorite one but it's that's not a rule by and large um and i think it's one that if yeah if you ask any anyone they're gonna say a different order and that may be impacted by the order they played um it's kind of tough not to see this as a relatively good kind of stepping on point because mm. it's a shorter experience. There is so much information out there now and it, it in some ways it is a simpler experience. 
you're not dealing with weapon arts or anything like that. A lot of the more opaque mechanics you kind of don't need to worry about, like world tendency or character tendency. Honestly, it doesn't really matter. Mm. You can kind of mm. pick up most weapons and upgrade them as you go to relatively decent effect. Um, so, yeah, it's yeah. tough not for me not to see this as a good stepping on point. Um, you know, Bloodborne, Sekiro, stuff like that, they have their own uh, niches that they occupy, but they're different, difficult in different ways. Elden Ring, I guess, would be a lot of people's kind of first foray, just because mm-hmm. it was so big um, mm. it, in popularity, I mean. Um, but the fact that it's so big in size also makes it a fairly difficult one to start with, I think. Yeah, I think it's Sekiro is the the the, the reason I haven't played it is that is the hardest one because of the the you just have to practice. You have to drill until you can do those counters and those jumps and everything. And if you can't do that, you can't beat the game. And then of the Souls series, probably Dark Souls 2 Scholar is the is the hardest because of just the, the way the game is designed is some people's not everybody's favourite and they a lot of mobs and stuff like that and it's just just a trickier thing probably i i probably would still tell people to play dark souls remastered first because i don't know there's just something about dark souls and and, and with knowledge of that game you know and its systems and dexterity and strength and what the heck all of these stats mean and all that kind of thing um and snugly the crow and whatever coming back to demon souls especially looking this good as it does I think would be quite a sort of a bit of a breeze mm. and a bit of a pleasure, um, mm. really. A reward. Yeah. Um, I know you're not doing a bit of a round table about, you know, uh, I suppose it was a bit of a rhetorical question, but genuinely Demon Souls for me is the starting off point. And that is because um, of the, the design of the game, the hub and spoke nature, each of the levels is fairly short. Mm-hmm. Some of the actual mechanics can be a little bit oblique, but there's a beautiful inverted difficulty curve about Demon Souls that makes mm-hmm. it a lot more agreeable to a beginner in, in a way that I can vividly remember when I first started playing as well. Um, for the record, though, I do think there's some FromSoft games that I just simply wouldn't recommend, period. So... Matt L from our forum says, due to no fault of Bluepoint, Demon's Souls remains my least favourite Souls game, remake or not. That being said, I don't want to take anything away from Bluepoint. Technically, they did a wonderful job with this remake, despite a few odd artistic choices. I just think their talents could have been put to better use. Let's talk a little bit about the story and the scenario and such. Uh, so I'm I'm the kind of person who doesn't really play for this stuff. Uh, I'm I'm interested... Obviously, I know there's a lot of videos and and lore dives out there. This game exists on its own as a one-off, but I think I feel like um, maybe maybe you'll shout me down for this, but it feels like it was a kind of a progenitor of of the Dark Souls lore in some ways. It has there is there's some sort of relationship in terms of vibes and concepts, but it is its own story and it stands alone. And essentially, you get a little CGI opening and you've told a little bit. But it's more for me, it's more about a mood and a, and a notion than it is about the, the actual details of the law. But I know some people absolutely love kind of, yeah, immersing themselves in the actual backstory of every NPC and, and whoever else. So fly away, James. Tell me what's going on. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, in many ways, and this is not the first game to have, have done this, but in many ways this did kind of set a tone for the Souls games and FromSoft kind of uh, games that would come thereafter, which is, 
a kingdom that has been brought to the brink of ruin by a poorly understood use of power, uh, right. usually from the people at the very top. Uh, in this case, I think three key sort of humans who went and started to use demon souls beyond the beyond the miracles and magic that we see being used there they they literally mm. tried to turn themselves into demons that's uh the old monk king alant and i'm going to blank on who the third person is um but but basically it's yeah people are trying to turn themselves into demons in order to gather more power the idea mm. being that that will help them to defeat their enemies and in this case little did they know it literally brings their enemies to the door and the old one um it has literally landed on the shores of um Boletaria, and now there is this seeping fog that's threatening not just Boletaria, which is now cut off from large parts of the world but the rest of the world as it kind of spills out um and you've got this this kingdom almost frozen in time um as it goes gra- very slowly sort of decays um towards mm-hmm. whatever the old one's going to make of it i think is is roughly a summation the yeah. best the best bit about that is um I don't know whether this is the most video gamey from software title, but the you know, parts of that explanation you're like, Oh yeah, that helps cover up the fact that all the NPCs sit rigidly still for the most part. No one moves or walks mm-hmm. anywhere or does anything. And all the enemies keep coming back uh to make, you know, play to kind of pad out playtime oh, yeah. and help the player progress. But but so so that you could be cynical, you could say, oh well, the fog is a helpful way of loading and stuff, or or, or gating, mm-hmm. and it's the only from software game where the fog is actually explained, isn't it, diegetically or explained away, I should say. Yeah. Um. So, but but all of that works in its favour, um, because it's obviously a very effectively told story with the item descriptions, what they withhold from you, but also the way that it explains the video gaminess of the worlds because if you if you really looked at it on paper the hub and spokes is like oh there's five worlds each have two stages except the first one there's a boss at the end of it it's very video gamey when you really sit down and think about it and if you call those worlds like one two uh one three that kind of things even more video gamey it's like going back to arcade days in the 80s or something yeah for sure but in a but the way from software do it it just draws you in and you feel like these are real kind of parts of this kingdom you're going to and they're visually so distinct and they've got such rich backstory that the cynical video gaminess of it all just melts away and you're just totally absorbed. There's a real prototype or prototyping of the uh, FromSoft formula in, in Demon Souls in particular. Yeah. There's an allusion to souls being ostensibly a, anal- analogous of, of knowledge which is a, a massive theme of, of Bloodborne and the kind of Lovecraftian stuff that's there is also. Yeah. I mean, James did an exceptional job of trying to nail um, uh-huh. an incredibly oblique uh, plot uh, in <laughs> there. Is. So I don't really have much more to add to that, but it's it's just a, mm-hmm. a nice high and tight story. I think the only observation that I would make in addition to that is um, I kind of think this game hangs very well together in the absence of a story as well, just in the kind of like mise-en-scene. Like yeah, what you exactly. what you're seeing, what you're feeling, what you're experiencing totally. through the game has a has a nice kind of arc to it as well. Yeah, yeah that's 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 where I am with it. And it's, if you're curious, it, there's yeah. Varti. Well, exactly, Varti Vidya. For those who don't know, has been making content based around these games for years. Um, sort of does these sort of breathy, quiet 
uh, videos that go deep into the law, every character, every backstory, every nuance in his, uh, I think he's Australian um, yes. accent, um, very high quality production and, and whatever else. I don't know if he started out at such high levels or whether he's worked up to it over no, the years. No, he's, but worked, yes. he's worked up to it. I think he started with Dark sure. Souls, the um, Prepare to Cry videos, and people loved yes. the way he kind yeah. of strung this narrative together. But actually, his his when he did some of the stuff for the 2020 game, um, mm. I think he did Latria, The Valley of Defilement, and Boletaria. And they are just kind of fascinating. Um, the way he tells it, I think they work really well with this Demon Souls 2020 because, you know, it's an old game with a, with a lick of paint, a glow up and stuff. And I think his videos, I don't know, it doesn't feel like cheating. It feels like... Uh, I don't know, it, it, enriching uh, on this yeah, particular yeah. occasion. So even before Vati, who who got um, his start on Dark Souls by and large, but has done a lot mm. of Demon Souls stuff, um, uh, Epic Namebro was the first sort of Souls lore um, and guides guy. He did a lot of diving into how uh, scaling and how weapons work, but also did lore stuff on the side. He would do sort of slow play stuff. Um, and he was doing that before the game even came out to the West. He got hold of a copy mm. and was doing it. So for a lot of people, um, that sort of community understanding of the game and community understanding of the lore has just been baked right in since this game came yeah. out. Um, and I think it because it's it's enough to ask yourself to get a grip of the mechanics um, without reading through, you know, stopping, taking the time to read through everything and try and piece together who all of the different sort of legendary warriors that now re are represented by these uh, bosses you're fighting, etc. Um, you get a feel for that in the tone and the setting and, and just the ambience of the whole game. Um, but then having someone who is willing to kind of pull together community theories and go and find the information and find and find the video evidence of it and put it all together, like Vati does now and, and several other people have kind of come gone still around in that field as well um it really you know i think people possibly overstate the depth of the stories in these games when mm. actually the intention yeah. is here's a framework and here's Absolutely. some bits of information kind of sprinkled yeah. around through the game get a feel for what the place is and and kind of there's a lot of gaps to insert whether it's fan yeah. theories or whether it's legitimate you know, intention from the devs. There's just a lot of space there and space mm -hmm. tends to get filled with interesting stuff. And I think the greatest yeah. thing in Demon's Souls, actually, or my favourite thing of that is the sixth arch, the broken sixth arch stone. Mm. Because now we live in a world with Elden Ring. Everyone's like, cut content. Oh, they meant to put this in there, but it got cut out, blah, blah, blah. Everyone calls it cut content. And there may have been cut content around this, but just the fact that the final game shipped... You go to five worlds, which is plenty, I think, for the length of the game. And it, it feels very complete, actually, as opposed to Dark Souls, where, you know, various uh, parts of that, they didn't even finish properly um, and then before they shipped it. Um, but but with Demon's Souls, it feels complete to me. And then just this evocative sixth broken arch stone. Mm. You don't know. And they left it in. And they left it in. And that's so brilliant. It, yeah. That's so yeah. just, oh, it just tugs at your mind, doesn't it? It's just like, oh. I want to go there, but I can't, and I never will be able to. Mm. And that is, uh, for me, that really speaks to just the kind of, it's not romance, the romance of the fantasy, I was going to say. There's not much rom romantic about this no. world, but there, there's a romance yeah. about places you can't quite go, but in your mind could be anything. Yeah.
there's a, a definitely a, 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 a and this is weird to say because I guess if you play time 60 hours, that's comparable with a Dark Souls playthrough for the first time. But uh, Demon Souls to me hangs together as like a parable in a way that Dark Souls never did. And so because of that, I just find it a little bit easier to attune to and, and to kind of draw from. Leon, I, I suspect you might find the same given your relationship with uh, Demon Souls. Not not like trying to tease out the, the nuance and the... Mm really high level or rather low level kind of detail in some of the items and such. Yeah. One thing I wanted to mention, uh, because it almost uh, everyone's kind of, well, I say everyone, a lot of people are kind of familiar with it now. Um, but it's something that I still really appreciate about the direction of these games going all the way back to the original. And I'm glad they kept this in the remake, uh, even though I think uh, I assume it's all been redone, um, is the direction of the voice acting, which is, very specific to this series of games or this developer's games, the way in which almost all the speech is understated, almost underperformed, performed in a almost sort of flat and lethargic way a lot of the time in a way that's quite melancholic and haunting. Because as much as I can appreciate some of the more rich and fruity vocal performances in other games, I do find it does get a little bit histrionic sometimes and a little bit overwrought and a little bit cartoonish. Um, at best, it's like a you know radio drama and at worst, it's like Saturday morning children's cartoons in a lot of games. There's so much attempt to kind of oversell every every punch of, of drama that it becomes almost ludicrous as I say, histrionic. Whereas in these games, there's this, there's this very sort of slow sort of turgid, isn't it? Yeah. And and I really appreciated it. To me, it's much more authentic and it, it, it immerses me in the, in the world in, in, in a way that other games don't. And there's the, and I'm sorry to do this to you, James, but I'd say this is somebody who lives on the Scottish border. So hopefully that gives me a pass. <laughs> um, the use of Scottish actors and the, mm-hmm. the mumbling of, um, uh, God, I'm going to alienate all the Scottish listeners, aren't they? Yeah. They like that Scottish mumble, you know, that there's no uh, articulation. So it, it feels very authentic. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's fair. And it's, uh, it definitely, like, uh, let, let's just call a spade a spade. Scottish people have a reputation for being quite dour at times. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, obviously. And it's no. not a national characteristic, but it's something that. Scottish actors, and in this case, a lot of um, vocal performances really ev- evoke really well. Um, I think, and and yeah, you're absolutely right, Leon. There's there's this like it's it's a trope in Souls games that oh the NPC with the evil laugh at the end, and mm-hmm. and exactly. you sort of I, I still in my mind imagine it as this like maniacal obvious evil laugh, and it's like well they're mm. obviously a bad guy, mm. and I think of you know some of the archetypical NPCs, um, you know, the Lautrecs and the, and the like. Um, and then you actually hear them speaking and you think, I mean, there's a chuckle at the end, but it's hardly a maniacal laugh yeah. or anything, you know. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is, for what it is, it's actually much more subtle than you would mm. you would think. Um, and- Even in Patches, who made yeah. his first appearance in this game, he's not quite as, um, you know... Malevolent, exaggerated, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, shout out to uh, nominative determinism's stockpile Thomas. I mean, what else was he going to (laughs) become? Let's talk a little bit more about the the graphical side of things because obviously that's one of the major differences between this and the original. 
Mark FM 2007 (laughs) from the forum says, I have mixed feelings on the remake phenomenon overall. I feel like there should be a clear delineation between visual remasters and full-on reimaginings. This game, along with other Bluepoint remakes, sits somewhere in between. It's an excellent remake. It's gorgeous, especially with the classic filter. I could stare at the Nexus all day, but it's essentially replacing a From game and removing some of its Fromness, and that doesn't sit well with me. It, it, it's it's a really interesting one because you touched on the difference between remake and remaster, and we know mm. that Nintendo tend to underplay by calling something a remaster that they've actually done more to than you would expect. Yeah, there's um, no hard and fast rule to there, this there at really all, isn't, and, and we cannot these, make these the delineation. Blue Point games are just such a great example of that because. This is completely remade visually. Like, yeah. there's there's no two ways about it. They may have used the original game as kind of inspiration, source, etc. And concept art, but, yeah. But yeah. graphically, there's there's not uh, there's no single pixel from the the original game mm-hmm. that's transferred over, really. Um, but the bones underneath, either they did a fantastic job of of recreating that source code. We know they did because they kept. Essentially, the wireframe for the characters yeah. um, stayed on the same beat. So the the frame animation had to stay consistent because otherwise you start unbalancing things if you make Precisely. a weapon slightly slower yeah, or quicker yeah. or that kind of yeah. thing or a roll slightly takes slightly longer. Um, so they tried to keep as much of that consistent. And what that gives this feel of is, oh, this is the same game. I'm playing mm-hmm. exactly the same game. It's just somebody else drew over the top of it. And mm-hmm. that sounds like short selling it. So it's got this really weird thing where it's like, well, okay, if you're going to remake everything graphically, could you just mm. remake everything, to, you know, uh, mechanically as well? But they haven't. So that's why I think um, yeah. Mark FM 007 says it sits in this really weird place that we mm. have to start seeing remakes, remasters as a spectrum and not a definitive bucket you can put they absolutely in. They absolutely are. And they yes. did change some things, though. They changed the four-way role, didn't they? So that you could roll, which is, I don't know how significant that is. I didn't play the PS3 game, but I assume. And and they changed um, uh, shooting with your bow, which is, I wouldn't Mm. say it's a pleasure in the new game, but I do play a build with a bow (laughs) where it's pretty important. So I'm I'm used to it. It's much better than previous From from Software games. So, so I mean, between improving the bow, the roll, and then, as I say, using photo mode to look around corners for ambushes, um it's uh not it is actually a, smooth... a gameplay feature <laughs> <laughs> well i mean it look as everyone says if it's in a ge- if it's in the game it's it's there to be uh exploited sure yeah. um but uh it, it i think those they have smoothed out a little bit you know gameplay wise no, no, that's, that's a very good point yeah um yeah i mean no i'm probably gonna need somebody to unpack this for me i don't think i've ever looked at a from soft game and thought hmm this is this is wonderful. This is absolutely perfect. Like, I can see nothing <laughs> no. to, to go with this from the kind of like uncanny valley trigger and um, mm. Shrek alike characters that go through mm. there. The mm. ceramic and um, sort of feel of, of, of skin. I, I guess it's just a purely personal thing. From from a style perspective, it certainly feels different. The characters have a certainly player characters certainly they feel a lot more cartoony than the original games. But yes, I don't know like. I, it, it's not necessarily Hilda. I would want to die on. I'm quite happy for it to look stylistically a little bit different than the way it did. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I totally get. I totally get what Josh, uh, Josh was saying about the Shadow of the Colossus remake. Like it, it is. It does give it a different vibe overall. But as I say, fortunately, the original still exists. 
And perhaps if you're not so wedded to the specifics of the atmosphere of that original, then you'll be happier with, with the remade yeah. version. But good thing is you still have the choice. And, and I think for me, like I, I still have the original installed on my PS3, so I can play that mm. whenever I want. Yeah, me but too. if I, if I'm going to fire one up um, for convenience sake, obviously with all the, the bells and whistles and haptics and SSD and all that, um, but I have to say, yeah, three years down the line. Now, I don't have a top end gaming rig anymore. My my PC is aging. I'm sure there are games that could be made to look even nicer. But as I speak right now, this is one of the games that I will put on and still go. Wow. Yeah. Uh, just just some of the work that's gone into the lighting and the textures and every, you know, like every tile, every every decoration on the backdrop. Um is just like a feast for the eyes at, at very high resolutions uh, or seemingly very high resolutions. You can obviously choose between performance and, and frame rate. I've always played frame rate. I've had a go on the um, the the more fidelity-based mode. Um, and it, it yes, it looks ever so slightly nicer statically, but doesn't feel as great to play to me. So that I that don't was think that they needed to include forever. it, honestly. I think who's going to yeah. play in 30 frames? So, so I think Rich did. I've looked. Um... Yeah, Tom, I, I actively prefer it in thirty oh, really? frames a second. Interesting. But yeah. you've played, but you've uh, played the original, which is. I mean, to be fair, yeah, the original was like twenty twenty five frames a second. So, <laughs> it just, so it compared it just to that, feels, genuinely, it just feels more like viscous. Like everything's mm. just a bit kind of more sort of like a like a um like a lucid dream to me. Like playing in thirty frames. It feels very artificial yeah. when I'm playing in 60. I, I've had that before. I used to get that with more things. Like I think as I've, I've as I've played more modern 3D games in 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 60, I've kind of got more used to the idea. But actually, I to I'm sure there's on record me talking on on these podcasts like back in 2011, 12, talking about how I actually in some cases prefer. 30 fps because it's more cinematic it has Indeed, a more yeah. it has exactly. a more sort of it gives heft and and a sort of uh yeah like a a sense of of story yeah. to to things I mean, which 60 gives this immediacy it's like it's like the old uh tv dramas that we grew up with where the indoors were on vhs and the outdoors were were on film <laughs> and it felt like the 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 indoor bits were kind of fake and the outdoor bits were real it was that what impresses me most about this game is is the game in motion there's a, a real kind of viscosity about the air the particle effects the way that when you're using sorcery the whip sound of a um a magic bolt flying and then the way that it just kind of evaporates is, is so like liquid smooth it's just incredibly satisfying and and i think brian mentioned it on the slack for his money this is still remains the most attractive game uh in the current generation and i'm inclined to agree i really mm. do like it's it's a real highlight of picking it's up and playing this game absolutely just yeah literally and figuratively dripping with atmosphere for me i just love going to all the different biomes as we probably call them now um even though there's there is a lot of similarity there's there's enough variety of of you know from yeah disgusting swamps to slightly <laughs> rocky deserty areas but yes i'm actually at my, at my happiest when i'm just in a kind of you know a, a brick place with torches on the wall your classic dungeons crawling environment um and uh and just yeah just seeing the the glow of the the fire around the corner or or whatever else the the drip of the water from the ceiling the crust of vegetation the moss all that stuff yeah just the level of detail here is uh is astronomical and um 
yeah, obviously the PS3 just couldn't have done what Bluepoint have done. I mean, I think, yeah, there's definitely an argument that um, as lovely as Elden Ring is, it, it doesn't quite match up to the to the detail no not on the not on the smaller scale i would say and 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 i think miyazaki said that himself hasn't he in interviews he sort of said when his he sort of jokingly said to his programming team like his art programmers like look what look what blue point can do um Mm. reportedly said said later yeah just do that over the space (laughs) of eight billion acres or whatever it is yeah i don't know hopefully this is not a facile observation for me demon souls 2020 kind of uh, hopefully this makes sense feels like demon souls 2009 did uh albeit in a kind of or what i would have remembered demon souls 2009 to be like it's almost superseded my memory of what that game looks like it's quite alien to go back and ever think about that the only thing i would counter is that i do agree with some of the naysayers on the sense that although a lot of the monsters are really effective and creepy and whatever else, I think maybe the blue point artists lost a little of the Lovecraftian alienness on some of the enemy types. So they're a little bit less creepy than they were in the original game. Mm. Um, and obviously that's a very subjective thing, but that's, that's just how I feel. And I think for some people that could be ruinous, but um, for me, it's just a minor, minor uh, caveat. I think where where I end up netting out on on the graphical changes is I completely get so actually in almost in opposition to the ivy not m- being there um there's some mm. areas of of the castle that are on fire that in the original game mm. weren't and obviously that's some oh, okay. of we can do this now yeah, but it yeah, yeah. changes the feel of when this is happening like yes. is there actually an active war happening battle happening now or are you mm. there in the aftermath of it and so it changes that you know I always think of of Demon mm. Souls 2009 as this kind of completely different but similar take on Gears of War's kind of destroyed beauty, where it has, I think, yeah, more than almost much. any other FromSoft's um, game since, it has a tone and an atmosphere that even if the graphics and um, the grunt weren't there to provide, it, it gets across really, really well. And I think Bluepoint couldn't not change that. You can't like it, it's a question of whether you accept a remake can be made or not. Almost because if FromSoft went back and remade this game, they would change things. And so a- anyone who's sort of mm. and looking at this game, knowing what the original was, and saying, "Well, that wouldn't be like that. This wouldn't be like this," it loses something. I'm I'm sure. Obviously, that's them speaking to their experience. It does for them. But the way I end up feeling about it is a bit like when people put two mobile phones next to one another and quibble over nits or 90 versus 120 hertz. And it's like, Mm. yeah, when you've got them side by side and you can go, see, see. But ultimately, if Demon's Souls never existed and this game came out, I don't think anyone would be pointing at the ivy or the flames and saying it wouldn't be like that because there's no actual like Mm. story required reason for that to be the case. It's an artistic choice, and yeah. if we accept there's a remake, we accept the ability to make different artistic choices, and that's kind of what we have here. Ashman86 says, uh, when I saw Demon's Souls was getting a remaster for PS5, it was a foregone conclusion. That would be the first thing I bought and played. The new console, Demon's Souls 2020, became the first Soulsborne game I ever played to completion, both solo and in co-op with several friends. And it kicked off a long deferred love affair with the broader series that saw me playing through it 
Dark Souls 1 and 3, Bloodborne and Elden Ring over the course of the next year and a half or so. To this day, Bluepoint's remake of Demon's Souls is one of the most beautiful games I've ever played. A technical marvel that looks and runs flawlessly while the underlying game more than lives up to its legacy as the progenitor to one of the most popular subgenres in gaming today. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, brief talk about the audio. Um, again, I think it does uh, have an effect that it was uh, re-recorded, re-orchestrated, uh, rearranged by Bill Hemsterpat. Um, the original game, uh, when you listen to the intro now, even the, the, it, it was genuinely unsettling. I found, um, in a way that the remake isn't. And, uh, and again, I know this was, this was something that, uh, some Shadow of the Colossus fans had issue with, with, with the way that the, the music was handled, but the audio on the original Demon Souls was clearly all synth some of it not uh, not all of it but a lot of it and and the trouble is some of of the recorded elements of the music they're a little bit pitchy like it was it wasn't done on a big budget i must admit no farty trumpets and uh those are those are midi because the trumpets all have the same roll off at the end of the note and it sounds absolutely awful (laughs) yeah but it's kind of but it's also very characteristic yes, and evocative of its own self true in a way that again the the kind of choir and the you know staccato yeah. like scene yeah. which they've really toned down yes so so again very different vibe um which which you may or may not vibe with but uh i think it's mag- me, i think the re-record that the new pretty the great, new yeah. soundtrack is is incredible i mean the quality of the arrangements and the playing and the recording just to listen to outside the game as a as a as mm. an ost album i I absolutely love it. It's so gorgeous and kind of rich. Now, again, like with the art choices, you can say, oh, it's not the same. It doesn't have the same atmosphere. And that's right. That is true. I couldn't make the argument that the new version of the music, like uh, it it matches the sort of magnificence of the visuals. Um, Yeah. I wouldn't say it's necessarily as evocative overall as maybe the 2009 game was mm. as, as striking should we say yeah yeah i was gonna say I, th- I think that kind of sums up how i feel about the aesthetic changes overall which is there's some there's a disquieting quiet about the original game even in as big as that score is it's still unnerving in a way yeah and it's yeah. been somewhat that aspect's been somewhat toned down Yes. In terms of the visuals and the music, in favor mm-hmm. of something more grandiose. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's where maybe people who yeah. didn't want um, these or didn't appreciate these aesthetic changes as much as maybe we we are and have, um, yeah, that's yeah. maybe where the complaint comes from. It does change the tone of the game. I still think it, it fits. I play this game now and it reminds me a lot, obviously, of playing Demon Souls 2009 for the first time. It doesn't fundamentally mm. change my appreciation yeah. of the game or or run ride roughshod over anything um mm. the this from the score point of view the original score by um shunsuke kida i would put on and immediately start just feeling things and being thrown <laughs> yeah. back with nostalgia and just uh all sorts of stuff i couldn't even identify or explain yeah because Creeped I know it so well, and yeah. it was one of probably the first video game soundtracks. I was like, I need that on whatever mm. phone, yeah. iPod, whatever I'm listening to at the right. time. Um, and I haven't done that with this, 
but playing through the game it still hits me hard when you go into a boss arena and that wall of sound start building you know that it gets my it gets my heart pumping in in the way that the the original score did and and just say um shinsuke kida has set as similar to the rest i've given a a blessing on this new interpretation of the soundtrack Um, you know so whether that's just from being pleasant and actually you know they wouldn't do it this way Either way, yeah. kind of to, to to Rich's point, it doesn't matter. Sony have decided to remake this game, a game that they kind of never really wanted to take forward. That's why Dark Souls exists because From mm. felt they had something Sony weren't really interested in publishing it around yeah. the world or yeah. doing any kind of sequel. And then, kind of ten years later, Sony were a bit like, "Well, yeah, damn. <laughs> well, no, that's not true because they did commission Bloodborne, didn't they?" And Bloodborne did, but, would but have been again, in, would have been because... in development from you know 2012 or something earlier 2011. So uh, I wouldn't say that Sony given... didn't didn't appreciate from. No, Sony are on the record as having said they dropped the ball with Demon Souls. Sh- sure, it, yeah, in... Tom, they they were they they outright said we dropped the ball here. This was a mistake. We didn't know what we had. Well, mm. that's like the mm. the manager who didn't sign the Beatles. But what I'm saying is, a couple yeah. of years later, Sony came back to From and said, "Please make an, us an exclusive PS4 game." Uh, j- just on the yeah, on the it's, it's, it's my favorite game of all time. <laughs> but but the, the, um, the, the point kind of stands that they yeah. have had to claw from From whatever they could when they had the opportunity. Dark Souls could have been all of theirs, you know. Bloodborne, they negotiated a separate contract again. They haven't really gone back outside of the initial contract in the DLC to bring From in to do, make any changes to that. And then yeah. when it came to Demon Souls, this was a right. What can we do with this? We know we need to do something with this, um, and they didn't have From there to do it. So you know, hmm. Blue Point were the option. The um, one thing, just the glow up of the soundtrack reveals is how wonderful the score is. Because I would say, listening to the two thousand and nine soundtrack if you don't have experience if you're coming to it completely cold you never played a souls game you listen to that original soundtrack it would sound pretty weird um but whereas this new one is so kind of lush and listenable um it it, not that the original soundtrack isn't fantastic and fitting but the new version reveals how wonderful the original compositions were um as well but but it's worth mentioning of course that demon souls made this incredible um brave and confounding decision to to remove music from outside you know from everywhere outside of the nexus and boss fights mm. and that is almost unthinkable really and that's why you say you know playing the 2009 demon souls has this sense of quiet that is such a brave design decision to just leave players out on their lonesome there's no one chirping in their ear in the you know radio person there's no one npcs are just a couple of lines of like you know dour scottish scotsman (laughs) or whatever well Um, you're just alone and you're alone because there's no music to back you up and that brings us to the the uh the ambient noise um which i think again is an, an element again which was yeah effective and atmospheric in the original but here they really been able to go to town with the foley um and all these incredibly impactful banging clanking clicking clicking i don't know if that's the right word particulars fire um, yeah um it really surrounds you as well if you've got the right setup 
and um yeah Cut. just the, yeah. the the sound of a sword hitting a shield is uh is is something that will echo through your your house all the time you're playing this game if you you crank the volume up nicely i found it really pertinent in the boss fights flame Licker in particular the sound of just overwhelming flame in that fight is yeah. is, is, is really good and you know Engenders like fear. the the highlight of the game for me so step back a second a bit of use case i don't really play demon souls with the volume on at this point it's usually <laughs> stick a podcast on and, and yeah, play yeah, it and no, it's not because it, I, it can we can get there with any game even it. even ones that sound amazing yeah <laughs> however I will make a concerted effort to take my headphones out and crank the sound up for the Storm King fight. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because the sound of, I don't even know what that is, whales? It's, it's, yeah, it's like a reverse yeah. laser whale or something, that sound. Yeah, yeah. It's cacophonous, but yeah. in the most That's probably my favourite single uh, piece of SFX in the game, like that, that particular cry that those flying fish manta rays make is... Uh, that's a genuinely creepy sound, but also quite Moorish. <laughs> yes. I, I heard that a lot because one of my favourite grinding spots is where you... Go behind uh, the house. See how, uh, and no, no you, it's the... It's the... Uh, val- uh, sorry, the... the what, what I know is 5-2, I believe, or 4-2, five two. Four which two. is um, where you defeat the... Uh, just after the adjudicator, you go down and then you basically kill one of the... Um, I don't know. It looks like summoners, death. and then yeah, oh, that's three. Death. No, that's four two, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, four two. Which <laughs> yeah. reveals yeah. how silly those names are. Anyway, so so there were two of those that I would two two of the flying fish, whatever they're called. Every single time I would go through there on my way to kill the they're, the the summoning death guy, storm and, beasts. Uh, I think they're called. Yeah, storm, that's it. Storm king yeah. or whatever he's called. I mean, that fight. Just, I almost want to go back. The sound and the visuals of this game, the prison of hope, and uh, the. So three one three two, and then four two, and that boss arena with the huge Storm King coming overhead. I mean, that is what this game in four K with the amazing sound, just that they convey the feelings, and that was that's from software design. These levels exist because of from software, and these bosses exist because of from software. But this glow up just gives it this epic, huge feel that I, I yeah, I personally. I just love being in those places, as disgusting and horrible as they are. <laughs> Given that we've uh, we've gone an hour and a half odd already, and we haven't started talking about gameplay yet, we should probably uh, dive into that aspect of it. Now, I suppose uh, this is where, other than the those couple of tweaks that we mentioned, uh, it's uh, it, it's where the original podcast will still remain pertinent as well. So, hopefully. Between the two shows, you'll get enough Demon Souls gameplay covered. But um, we also want to hear from some more of our correspondents. So here's Taz from the forum who says, when this came out, I'd played and loved all of FromSoft's Soulsy games, except for Demon Souls, as I never had a PS3. I was very excited to go back and see where it all began, albeit in remake form. And to begin with, I hated Demon Souls. I was expecting a relatively primitive first draft of Dark Souls, and I suppose that's exactly what I got. I thought Demon's Souls was a mean-spirited, horrible little goblin of a game. <laughs> and to some extent, I still think that. Compared to Dark Souls, this is inelegant, clunky and unfair. In a series that delicately balances challenge and frustration, Demon's Souls felt very frustrating and challenging in all the wrong ways to me at first. But I learned to love and appreciate it all the same and by the end. And in some respects, 
this feels like a purer Souls experience to me now. Yeah. I was surprised to find a Crash Bandicoot-style warp room in a Souls game, and I definitely prefer the interconnected world of Lordran, but one of this game's strengths is the way it invites you to explore the five worlds in any order. Demon Souls is a fascinating prototype of what became one of the most well-crafted and beloved action RPGs ever made, and one of my favourite games. I think Dark Souls perfected everything that this game started with, and as such I don't think I'll be re revisiting this game as often as any of the other games in the FromSoft catalogue. Even so, I enjoyed my time with it and appreciate it for what it is, a mean-spirited, horrible little goblin. There's always a hump in, in every From Software game, I think, you know, usually. Um, and this one is a particularly... I think this and Bloodborne might be the humpiest that I've played. I haven't played Dark Souls 2, though. But, um, no, I think this is... Coming back to it, uh, coming back to an old game, but playing it in 2021 and 2023, I, I feel like this is it's better than a prototype it's it feels complete okay it's it's a lumpy wonky game and it's got some you know idiosyncrasies which are are very pronounced now but uh, but those are the things in some ways that made people love it in in 2009 so i you know i take issue a tiny bit with the word with the word prototype taz came back talking about the uh, the level order discussion and said uh, i'd read there is an optimum or recommended order, but I didn't look at it. Forging my own path through this game was very satisfying. Hitting a brick wall in one place and leaving it to explore elsewhere, only to return later when I'd grown more capable, felt a bit like a microcosm of Elden Ring. Yes, yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a brilliant way of putting it. That's just what I was thinking. I I don't want to make enemies. Um, <laughs> I just don't you, agree. you always say that before you make the most mild and reasonable point, Rich. Just because true. I, I, just I, say I, know, I know that Dark Souls invites a lot of um, fandom. So, so yeah. when I say this, I'm not trying to be controversial. I just don't agree. I think that Dark Souls One, Two, Bloodborne, Dark Souls Three, Sekiro. Etc. Etc. We have a lexicon with which we can appreciate those games that was available from the time James talked about Epic Namebro. We've talked about Vardy Video, kind of really proliferating um, a way to appreciate those games that wasn't available during when Dark Souls came out. Now, obviously, it's clear that people can approach Dark Souls in isolation and have a different experience. But for me, as somebody who came Demon Souls and pounded it. In 2009, I, I I think it's gave me everything that Dark Souls ever gave me and more. And I also don't think that Dark Souls is quite as approachable as people remember it being. I remember playing Dark mm. Souls in 2011 and having a doubly stacked curse with no right. way to get rid of that at all and no way of understanding how to get rid of it from, what, two-thirds of the game? Um there's a, a culture and um, a, like a wikia that's available to people to allow them to appreciate that game in a way that perhaps wasn't as uh, lowercase a accessible at the point that it came mm. out. For me, though, Demon Souls, I've spoken about it before, has a beautiful inverted difficulty curve, which makes you feel more empowered and more capable of dealing with the game. And it's a much more kind of elegant I can already hear James probably not agreeing with this, but for me, it's a much more elegant kind of trajectory through the game than any of the uh, the, yeah. the Souls games that came after. And they give you the thief ring 
almost straight away, which is basically like an easy mode anyway. I don't know. The cling ring or the thief ring? <laughs> no, thief the cling ring. ring as well. Yeah, Cling ring as well. I mean, they do take, uh, when you say about curse um, rich, I mean, they do in this game, like just take away half your health pretty much straight away and just say, yeah, most of this game you're going to be, you're going to see your full health bar but you're only allowed half of it. It feels quite, brutal. And, cool. and and obviously it's kind of arbitrary in a way, but it feels harsh. And also you're limited, uh, that you have a limited number of stones of ephemeral eyes, which bring you back to solid form. And then you realise, as I did, that even when you do that, there's obviously there's a potential for a massive penalty for doing that, which is uh, getting invaded, um, which you can't when you're in spirit and, form. And if you die, you make the world tendency exactly. darker, which make, exactly. which gives the enemies more hit yeah. points and you get yeah, the hardest exactly. version of the levels. Yeah, but all that stuff, like I only really learned that after, even though, I, as I say, I'd, I'd imported the game in 2009 or whatever. I only learned that stuff playing it now in 2023 um, because... I was actually intending to complete the game and did. Um, there was a point talking of world tendency where I, I had obviously picked up over the years the basic concept of world tendency, but I hadn't really understood the the nuances of it. Uh, I was aware, I remember the talk of the servers and things like this back in uh, PS3 days as they kept extending that game's uh, online life. Um, but yeah, it was only playing it now for proper with proper intent that that pushed me to to actually understanding that stuff and what happened was um so there are safe places in this game in the point to the point that you can you could stand forever uh, until your um, uh, ps5 turned to dust in certain places with with the pause screen on not not being paused even without using photo mode which as i say i didn't even think of which actually would have been great for the incident i'm about to talk about which is <laughs> where i'd used a stone of ephemeral eyes because i for whatever reason i felt i had a surfeit of them and i wanted to be in solid form it looks slightly cooler uh, and whatever whatever else um but i just left myself there while i had dinner came back and found of course that i'd been invaded and murdered um and that actually changed that tipped over uh whichever the uh world whichever level it is with the flame lurker boss turned that into purest dark world tendency meaning that um flame lurker was really really hard um it's so not an insignificant run between the yeah the, you know yeah bonfire, um, oh, by, like, and, uh, photo mode uh, wouldn't have saved you by the way because uh, when you're online if you've been invaded yeah. it, it, you just it's really freaky it breaks actually. You out of it. or it's, it's really freaky you, you you turn photo mode on but right you, but if if you're in human form, you've been invaded. All of the environmental effects stay on, which they don't normally. So like the, uh, wind, okay. and the wind and stuff. And then you mm. can just see this phantom in the distance running towards it. Actually quite creepy. I like that it. is creepy. Yeah. That's almost kind of like a, yeah, breaking ghost, the... Ghost in the machine the, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. So yeah, actually, so yeah, you can pause the game, but you can't. Anyway, so, uh, but as it turned out, it worked out quite nicely because it ended up that, that was the only boss that I summoned for in the entire game, I think. Or maybe maybe there was one other. But actually, it just meant that I engaged with that aspect of, of the game, which a lot of times I didn't because I was leveled to the point that I could do most of the clear most of the bosses in one attempt or two, which uh, for me is preferable. I don't enjoy the process of repeatedly dying to the same thing. 
Um, but it did mean that because I'd got in, painted myself into that world tendency corner, it actually gave me a reason to engage with the summoning such as it is. And uh, I was aided by somebody who was not horribly overleveled either. So it was just like a quite a nice balanced fight, but it, obviously it just takes the heat away with li- literally in the case of the flame lurker <laughs> with one with the other person you know they they weren't one shotting it they they had to heal um so it felt nicely balanced i don't know what all the background stuff that goes into that or so, the code that goes into that but it was nice yeah i was a newcomer to to demon souls so the world tendency stuff it's like i mean i guess there are elements of the game that are prototype they haven't re- returned to world tendency as an idea in later games uh that i'm aware of and it's it's still pretty weird and obscure what you do to change world tendency Mm -hmm. and if you know the ideal run in quotation marks there isn't really one but if you wanted to turn you turn boletaria pure white you can ping 500 arrows at the blue dragon and take it down yeah Um, there are reasons to the reasons to do these things it does change the actual layouts and enemy encounters and things doesn't it but You would well, generally a uh, lighter world tendency means enemies are easier. Yeah. Um, yes, and then the know, quest and some of the quest lines can't be done without one or the other. Yeah, pure indeed, and, and there's certain inaccessible areas based around your world tendency. Yeah, yes, indeed. That um, there's that place right at the very start, isn't there, down the left, which I think you have to have either pure white or pure black to it's get. The same to. with the um, oh goodness me, the mines right at the right. beginning where yeah. there's an elevator. Yeah. I mean, and they're all a, over the place, to be fair. That's yeah. such a brilliant... I mean, just like with the Broken Arch Stone, actually, that gate you can't get through, but you can see there's an area down there. And then you, you just... When you very, very first play the game and you get around the corner as this mm. hole with the little lights flickering around it, and you're like, oh, I wonder what's in that hole, and you jump to your death. Yes. That is just so brilliant. I don't know. There's something so amazing about that. And then coming back with White World Tendency and going through the gate and it... You're accessing an area you couldn't get to that you could first see when you first. There's something I don't know, almost poetic about that. Just this, and, and just this hole. You're like, I wonder what's down there. Ah, still uh, not open it, for me. <laughs> <laughs> and the, but eventually, you find out. You find out what's down there, and um, apparently, not all that much. I read somewhere. No, that, but it's, but it's a the set of armor, like yeah. the brushwood set, which is really good against fire, yeah. I believe. Okay. It's not that impressive, to be honest. Fight. You don't really tend. You don't tend to, to need the stuff you get from the tendency no. stuff by the time you've got white pure right. white, for instance. But it's just yeah, it's, it's a bit of fun. It's a bit of fun. A bit un, un, a bit underbaked in teaching players how to do it though. I oh would yeah. Say. <laughs> what I would say is there's more changes to world tendency than probably you would necessarily give credit for because it is kind of this ancillary system that you mm. you could go through and just not even look at that tab in the menu, um, but. Yeah. The fact that world tendency is not tied to online, like global world tendency, or it was regional, I think, in the original, uh, regional yes, able to correct right. me. Um, no, it was. You're right. If you were online, you could not hold world tendency where you wanted it to be, which meant you couldn't guarantee yeah. that you were going to have certain events available. It essentially, mm. it was something they tried and it wasn't terribly well understood or balanced, which made it even more difficult to understand. And this time around, world tendency is entirely for you to kind of control. And there's relatively, it's not easy, but there are relatively specific ways you can push your world all the way to black tendency, yeah. all the way to full full white tendency, and, and from one to the other. Um, and, and what it does mean is that 
if you want to farm a specific material or complete a specific um, character's side quest, you you can now do that stuff much, much more easily than you could yeah. before in the original game, which is Good handy. Point. Although Tolkien Taters does say uh, the world tendency is an interesting way to add variation that generally works unless you're going for total completion. Obviously, it does still make that aspect a little more challenging yeah, as you have to manipulate the tendencies, uh, I suppose. I suppose with uh, with time being what it is, uh, the most important real aspect to talk about the gameplay is uh, is the combat, the enemies, the builds and the bosses. Um, that is the core of the experience, as well as uh, poking your way around these uh, these delightful levels. Um, now, I yeah, to to kick off, basically, I played it in probably the most basic way possible for quite a long time. Sword and board, I believe some people refer oh, yeah. to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, make sure you know, you don't fat roll. I've learned um, from from my time with Elden Ring, and uh, yeah, basically. Be prepared to farm souls to be strong enough to not have to do bosses eighteen hundred times. But as I understand it, this game is uh, very manipulatable, and if you go down certain paths, figurative and literal, you can equip yourself to a point that quite a lot of the game's bigger challenges are almost trivial. So, educate me. Uh, yeah. So I mean, this is a, again to talk about Demon Souls as kind of setting the tone for what would come. Um, the notion that you have different classes of melee weapons. Generally, you're going to have a shield in your left hand and a, a melee weapon in your right hand. But you also have miracles and spells, which are different categories of magic, and you need different items, depending upon the item, in your hand to be able to cast them. Um, that's kind of by and large, and, and it doesn't necessarily step massively outside of what you would think of as a kind of fantasy staple in terms of you can have a magic style class a sort of dexy rogue style class and then a heavy hitting either sword or club style almost barbarian uh type of, of class and there's sort of different uh ones and different classes in there in between more sort of priest style with the miracles um mm. but but yeah it's uh i think because it was so early demon souls and dark souls are the souls games that are easiest to kind of break the combat uh, on first playthroughs, it's unlikely because you probably don't know where you want to spend your resources in terms of putting everything into one weapon and yeah. leveling up your character to suit that playstyle. Um, but certainly nowadays, when I uh, start a build, it's very easy to get overpowered very, very quickly. Like Dark Souls and Demon Souls, more than any, it's like 10 minutes to BOP videos <laughs> left, right and centre you can find. Um, yeah. and And it's just... It's knowing the game. You wouldn't know that in a first playthrough. So unless you're playing no. through with a guide, which for my money, totally fine if you want to do. Yep. Some people wouldn't want to do that because they want to yep. kind of figure things out themselves. Yep. Um, but but you can get very, very OP. Uh, magic mm. is generally very uh, a very solid uh, way to go. So royalty tends to be the kind of starting class people are recommended. Um, and I don't think I ever do a run where I don't just go and grab the Crescent Falchion plus one from Shrine of Storms <laughs> yeah, as soon absolutely. as I can, just because <laughs> having it makes me comfy. You know? uh, see, see, I'm an Uchi man pretty mm. much always now with these games. I don't know, there's just something about that R1 having to pop off really fast. So I basically play as a, like a ninja, very light armor. The, 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 
you know, I do, and I played as a regenerator kind of class uh, build the first time round. I had this big shield, and I had to do the roll over the walls to get the ring early, and get the big spear, which just kind of slices people up. the The one thing, I mean, the weapon upgrade system in this game is bonkers, and there are just certain um, items like the spider stone shards and the blade stone chunks that are just really difficult to get past a certain amount like mm. they're they're really hard to farm for and farming is is not necessarily the most fun uh in this game for stuff like that so i, I think that's where i feel like the game is is lumpy right it's and, and being able to get op early speaks to that lumpiness it's, it's really not a smooth um kind of balanced experience across all weapons and all kind of classes like they attempted the impossible task in Elden Ring obviously to balance that many enemies and that that much player choice um with each mm. other but but Demon Souls is is it's like Final Fantasy 8 in a way it's like weird it's like experimental for the time and and lumpy and breakable so the way you do it <laughs> a two, a, like a, a two hour run don't worry about Bulletaria one. Just don't worry about it. Pick any class. Um, rely on fire bombs and um, black tar for the, um, mm, the uh, boss. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Go straight to the shrine of, shrine of storms. Unequip all your weapons. Fist all of the the skeletons because they're incredibly <laughs> weak to bludgeoning damage. Do the quick rollover. <laughs> Get over there. Run past the adjudicator, which is a doddle, and then from there, it's just a case of how quickly can you get the flame like a demon done? And usually that's that, that is kind of the, the kind of stopping point. But is this one of those things that you've just made sound quite a lot easier than it is for most? People? I mean, look, <laughs> the, the, the thing is, if you can liberate yourself from having souls, like the, they're not that important because obviously there is mm-hmm. the, the exploit in, in four, two, as you've mentioned a bit earlier, like it's not that bad. I think really, the the key for me to to doing a quick one is basically there, there's boss weapons, particularly the blue blood sword, which I know James and I have been doing runs, which is mm. absolutely broken. Mm-hmm. Where'd you get um, that? Then? And, and <laughs> well, it, it's you, I mean the the two barriers are you need to do maiden Australia because the the soul her soul is what gets you the blue blood sword, and then you need the flame looker to be able to to deal craft with boss weapons. Web, craft the boss boss weapons. Yeah. Yeah. So so I mean. It's dead easy. The the value of defilement. The the um. I was surprised um, how easy that was actually going through now. Like really, you do, thief ring on, just run. Like don't fight yeah, anything. Just, don't just even bother. Even don't, easier don't if you get pure black on pure black on three two and grab the sodden ring, which um, negates the slowdown from the water. Oh yeah, that whole area is so easy. It's it's crazy. It's 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 just like we talked about this in the Neo show. Like, liberate yourself from owning things, mm. <laughs> you know, free yourself from the the materialism of of life. Um, right. And if you if you just worry about the bosses, really, it's a boss rush game for me at this point, and and a good one. <laughs> so I, I think that's that's the thing, kind of what I was talking about. Where if you don't know where you're spending your resources, it becomes very easy to spend a lot of them in places that kind of you don't realize you're you're not wasting. But you're, it's not efficient. And when you actually look at how many souls you need to be able to upgrade certain weapons, upgrade your your player character, you don't actually need that much. Especially as like I knew I only needed 
like two or three boss souls to get this the build I wanted. Every other one I just popped. I don't do that in most games. Yeah. I certainly don't do it in a first playthrough because I kind of want to get a feel for everything. But this time round, I'm never going to use some of these spells. Just pop pop it. There's an extra twenty thousand yeah. souls. Yeah, um, and, and it's it's part of the thing that I talk about with souls games is the first thing you need to get used to is dying's not failure. Dying is learning. Yes. You are learning yes. more stuff. And the second reason that dying is is helpful in these games is. Once you get used to that not being failure, failure, suddenly running into a load of enemies, knowing you're going to die, but grabbing the item that you want from the midst of them, that's not failure. That's you laughing all the way to the bank because you got the thing you wanted. (laughs) And they then sent you back to where you now need to be to go and do something else. It's saving time, if anything. (laughs) Am I wrong? In 2009 Demon's Souls, you could get over-encumbered with items and can't yes. send things back to the storage like you yeah. can. So yeah. there now, are some QOL so that, tweaks. That is a very, very... Yeah, that quality of life does make the game a lot... Not easier. Uh, yes, easier, but... Like I, I found I was, I was running out of... Like, I was hitting that cap for item burden yeah. so often because everything is heavy, like... Yeah, you know, all your yeah. grass is so heavy and the, you're carrying these, yeah, it's like, the grass isn't it you know oh, the healing get, items <laughs> occupying so much famously heavy i mean get when it's of, wet maybe get rid yeah. of all your weapons that you don't want get rid of all the armor you're carrying that you don't need get rid of all if you're not using magic which i wasn't get rid of all the new moon grass and all of that and i'm still coming up against the weight limit and, and mm. all it means in this yeah. version is that you get over an item and you have an extra button to press yeah. Which okay, if you're Same running storage, across yeah. the dragon bridge, that that will kill you if you stop and you can't get <laughs> the item or whatever. Well, yeah. the key, actually, Tom, is that there's nothing that interesting on the dragon bridge. To be honest no, with I you, know, you I don't know. need to pick everything up. But I guess here's a question, and and I I know that I'm going to get rebutted immediately. Why didn't they just get rid of item burden in this version? Just completely get rid of it and all the weights of all the items mm. because it doesn't serve any useful purpose i that i can see and the fact that that the equip burden is different from the item burden doesn't make any sense because you can be completely naked yeah, and yeah. be ca- carrying right up to your weight of items in your magical you know bag that you keep somewhere mm. on you it just mm. it feel it, it makes it even seem because of the quality of life change it makes it seem even more broken honestly that that particular subject it, it's definitely a, a sticking point i still came up against i was forever looking at right what have i got that i didn't realize i had and but what i will say is again once you know how to manage that like get rid of your crescent moon grass after like the first few levels because you're not using it anymore it doesn't like once i've stuck a few levels into vitality i don't want to be standing there just munching crescent moon grass like five times in a row to fill up my health so once you start getting to that stage and you realize you can just do without stuff um and also you end up not picking up some stuff. Like if I know I don't need to go and grab whatever it is, I just don't. But but that's all that's learned over time, right? Yeah. The, the answer is yeah. Item burden, I'm pretty sure didn't come back in other Souls games. Certainly not in this way or as 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 encumbered as this is. To pardon the pun, um, but because this is just so over the top, like it's actually quite tough for me to over like to be over uh to be heavy rolling essentially i kind of have a feel for where i want my weight to be and i never really have a second weapon on if i don't need it etc and then you get to the item uh burden and it just seems it, that's always the thing i'm worrying about it seems unnecessary uh it's a a weird thing for them to have kept i guess they just didn't want to change too much maybe i don't know yeah it's maybe like a back end reason 
Yeah, maybe, I'd, yeah. I'd guess a, like a back-end reason and just a respect for the original design, maybe. Yeah, maybe people would have... Some people would have said it was a step too far. Force you to the, talk uh, to Stockpile Thomas, apart from anything. Well, <laughs> well, you do have a heart of gold, which, come on, guys, just a little bit of variation in the dialogue. Seriously. That's true, actually. There there probably aren't enough lines for... Uh, they, they did for add the, some for this one. Um, right. They did add more. They got some of the original cast back to record some yeah. extra lines, so that was really mm. nice. Okay. Yeah, it's... yeah. You, the maiden in black, I would keep talking to, and she would keep telling me that she tends the candles, and I'm like, okay, maybe take the talk up. <laughs> or I love. I didn't need it. <laughs> Taz again says, uh, "When playing these games, I stick to what I know. I get a sword and shield, and I whack my enemies. I don't bother with magic. I seldom parry. Rely on dodging instead. One of the many things I love about FromSoft's creation is the freedom to tackle the challenges ahead in the way you want. However." Demon Souls, I found myself reaching for techniques and strategies I would have never considered in newer titles just to give myself a fighting chance against what felt like insurmountable odds. I used spells and buffed my weapons with slime and resin. I regularly swapped between four different weapons based on what I was up against. It felt like I was engaging with more of the systems and mechanics than I had done in Dark Souls because Dark Souls let me get away with using an axe and nothing else. I think many of the challenges and opponents in Demon's Souls have a more explicit weakness or intended solution. And this, for better or worse, meant that I had to try new things. Yeah, cheesing. That's, that's try, <laughs> try new things. Lots of different ways of cheesing, like standing up on that one spot so you can shoot um, Leechmonger or standing up on that one spot so you can shoot the head of Adjudicator or, <laughs> you know... It's just lots of standing in that one particular spot. Mm. Uh, Shrine of Storms behind that house, just behind the edge of it. Easy peasy. <laughs> I do like a good cheese, though. Yeah, I can live with it. The Tea Time from our forum says, I played the original Demon Souls on PS3 and completely bounced off it and could never get past the man-eater boss. The hard no, the, truth for the me... the ledge. It's the ledge that's the difficult Yeah. <laughs> the hard truth for me is that this game is extremely janky in a bad way. The AI of flying enemies is frustrating for melee builds and getting a magic build requires you to meet bizarre world tendency requirements. Furthermore, after playing the rest of From's games, the rest of the enemies and boss encounters in this game are trivially easy for anyone who's managed to take down Gale, Ishin or Lady Maria. While I appreciate the modest quality of life improvements that Bluepoint implemented, they're simply not enough. And I really believe this game requires and deserves a more Resident Evil style remake to bring it into the modern era. Hmm. I'm glad the game is available for a modern console and I was happy to go back and revisit this game to see the seeds being planted that would eventually grow into some of my all-time favourite games. That being said, I will have to stick to replaying Dark Souls for my nostalgia fix. Even though I cleared way more levels in the remake than I was ever able to in the original, I'm still, after all these years, unable to beat those damn man-eaters. <laughs> I mean, just level up some more would be my, my well tip. it's it's you just got to keep your back to the to the fog door so that you can't yeah. roll off the edge yeah and then just dodge through their attacks it's yeah it's not nah. that, but get, get in the center keep your back to the um brazier and then because yeah. they, oh, yes. they generally yeah. land around there i mean if yeah. you're strong enough you can make it so you only have to hit them about eight or nine times and <laughs> and it's yeah bob's your uncle i mean that is a that is a good point though there's a there's another universe where from software remade this 
Although I don't know that remaking stuff is particularly their their bag, really. But, Probably not. Um, They've been doing it for ten years. To be fair, they've been remaking this game yeah. every which way for <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. That's iteration, Boom. James. Um, <laughs> no, if 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 Backwards if the people iteration? remaking it felt they had the authority to make gameplay changes, I think yeah. that would have been an interesting product to experience. Because, as I say, it is a lumpy game. It is a weird and idiosyncratic game. And perhaps a remake might have been a, a quite interesting if, you know, if it was Miyazaki overseeing it or whatever. But, but as we um, say, we yeah. got multiple variants on the theme from him. So that's indeed, fine. Indeed. Yeah. I, 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 this, um, <laughs> here I go again. Um, this mentality that Ishin, Lady Maria, and uh, Gale are the zenith of FromSoft's kind of collective um, efforts in making yeah. great, but precisely great bosses. I, I, I don't personally align with. I find them to be exceptionally frustration, frustrating and um, reductive, uh, actively hurt the end products. Like I must have fought Millennia about 80 times before I managed to do it. And, it wasn't a sense of um, relief that I uh, uh, came away with. It was one no. of um, this is this is actively harmed the the game that I would play. So I <laughs> well, it's firmly land on the uh, please don't touch what's there. If I really wanted to enjoy that experience, I'd, I'd be playing a different game entirely. But it's it's that what Demon Souls teaches me about what like what they got right the first time and maybe could have stuck a bit closer to is the diversity of boss experiences. You know, the, okay, you could. S- you could say that most of these bosses are, are quote unquote gimmick fights and that that loses its challenge the first as soon as you know the gimmick but it's the diversity of bosses and what i found the problem just very quickly the problem with elden ring was there's too many fast bosses that zip straight to you and have those crazy delayed attacks and are just they've got so many attacks it's like a whirlwind and you're just you're just waiting for when they're suddenly going to come out of the animation and smack you in the face I, I don't, and that is really fatiguing. Whereas Demon Souls, the rhythm is totally different. You have these huge, long kind of boss runs that force you to kind of think carefully about what you did wrong. And by the time you get to the boss door, you're kind of, I don't know, I feel like you're more in the zone to beat a flame lurker, patiently stand back, wait for him to kind of smash on the ground and wait for that window. There's just a different rhythm to Demon Souls that, that honestly I really, really love. I'm not so keen on the the long approaches, uh, having since played the games where they've shortened that seemingly each time. I haven't played all all three Dark Souls, but um, yeah, like I quite enjoyed the process of kind of puzzling out how to quickly get back to the boss to an extent. But also I was just yearning for the the spawn point that was right outside the boss's front door for for those rare occasions when i did need to have multiple attempts i guess but your mileage may vary i I like the fact that they kind of they didn't change that i suppose yeah i think the um the thing that i kind of stick with when i think of the bosses is i completely take the the point that if if you have fought the toughest of the tough uh bosses from subsequent FromSoft games yeah this game's gonna seem in some ways easy because you probably also know how to play it you know the rhythms of the combat they're not yes. that massively different. So, no. you know, as I played through different FromSoft games, Dark Souls 2, Bloodborne, like a fair chunk, like a third of the bosses I was beating on my first attempt. Mm. 
that's not what someone knew to that game. And that's not because I'd seen the bosses before. That's just, I kind of knew what I was doing. Oh, to stay yeah, there's up. a definite, there's a definite um, style, a pattern. It's a set of, to, a set of skills, exactly. It's yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, if, if I hadn't played Demon's Souls, but now went back to it, I would be saying, yeah, these bosses seem really easy, but um, this is where they started. And then where we got to, in Rich's kind of opinion, not, you know, not from a positive perspective. In mine, I do get a lot of satisfaction from a boss that kicks me in the teeth 40 times in a row. It's not that many that do that, to be fair. Um, but mm. but, but then getting to the point where I'm like, I've worked out how to now beat you. Maybe just with this build. Like, Millennia didn't have a problem with first time with my bleed build, second time around with a strength build. Oh, I see why everyone's struggling with this now, you <laughs> know? It re- really does vary. And with these bosses, I think what I get is every time I walk in, there's a spectacle and i'm not just doing the same things i'm having to think about what i'm taking into the fight what setup i'm using and how to go about managing the environment and or the boss in a way that makes the fight okay to to deal with so yeah they do they are kind of trivially easy is not an unfair thing to say i think if if someone's comparing them to as i said the hardest of the hard of of the from soft bosses but that's kind of not i think there does have to be some expectation that when you're going back to a game that is now or at release was more than 10 years old you're looking back at it historically you're not expecting it to give you new stuff that you didn't see in all these other games necessarily it's going to be kind of rolling back to see where the origins of those subsequent games kind of started yeah i I admire the bosses more than i enjoy them Uh, i think it's an interesting sort of like um, exploration of what could be done in the game now, whether or not they execute them in the manner intended, I'm not sure. But I did um, fire up a, a new game plus plus today, um, mm. just to kind of go back to it. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not carving off a third of a, its hit point with one hit. You know, we're looking at maybe 30, 40 hits before I can do it, and I could start to see the kind of rhythm and the, the patterns emerge in a way that you, you wouldn't have otherwise gotten as well. So I'm not generally one of those people that's like, you know, you need to ramp the difficulty up to get the most out of the bosses. But I can see kind of why that um, um, difficulty setting might kind of um, tease a little bit more uh, challenge out of the bosses than what's there. Yeah. Mark FM 007 says, Demon's Souls is an interesting game to come back to, especially establishing a lot of the core features of a From game, but feeling rough around the edges, but shorter and less ambitious than later games. The biggest changes for me were the Archstones and the bosses. The Archstones are, a nice, are nice for the freedom they afford, but also lead to me having a bit of a lopsided experience. The first three shrines were more difficult, but very enjoyable. And the last two were a bit tedious, but also too easy. Where Dark Souls crafts a hero's journey of lows and highs, Demon's Souls can feel like a to-do list where you eventually get to the chores you were hoping someone else would do. The bosses are also noticeably different in their variety, and how far fewer are designed to be really challenging. It's a nice change of pace, but there are some and there are some cool ideas and creativity here, like the Maiden Astraea and the Storm King, but in practice many of them end up being overly simplistic or poorly executed. It doesn't surprise me that From stuck to bosses more akin to the False King, Tower Knight and Armour Spider in future, even if that did lead to an eventual over-familiarity. And Taz says, I found the bosses very hit and miss, either in conception or execution. Flame Lurker and Old King Allant were highlights. 
The dragon god felt random in whether it saw me or not. The man-eaters are so broken, one of them literally just flew away and didn't come back. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I've noticed is how the distance between the checkpoint and boss fight has gotten shorter and shorter with each new FromSoft game. I really don't like having to retread the entire level to get to each boss encounter in Demon's Souls, and I'm glad this approach has slowly gone out of fashion. And Marie Bisbo from our Patreon says, This was the first FromSoft game I completed. Having now played more of their games, it really strikes me how much of their design philosophy was present in this first instalment. I definitely think there are some aspects of it that don't work as well, and From Software seems to agree, as they've changed certain things, like giving you healing items that replenish rather than single use. But the atmosphere is there, the interconnecting levels, the depth of combat, the creepy NPCs, and the difficulty which rewards players who learn from their mistakes and take the time to dive into the many different mechanics and systems. I don't always think remakes are worth it, but in this case, I think a remake was perfect. It brought an amazing game to a modern console with a very fresh coat of paint. I would probably never have played this otherwise, and that would have been a real shame. Just a quick Mm. mention for the uh, trophies you were saying, James, that it's an easier platinum. Well, uh, than than the original, but is there there anything that would... uh, Obviously, I know you're just... At this point, you you lot are just like, yeah, you just do this, this, and this, and that happens. But (laughs) (laughs) uh, through my natural playthrough, I ended up getting, I'm not sure exactly what percentage, but there were quite a few missing from from my my set. It's not one that you will just naturally platinum while playing through. Some games are, you know, uh, even recently Spider-Man 2. You could kind of get most of the way there just playing through the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so then it becomes about are the ones that you have to go out of your way to pick up interesting and so exactly Demon Souls 2009 remains the only FromSoft game I have not got at least one if not multiple platinum slash yes. thousand achievement points slash full sure. Steam achievement lists um, Elden Ring I just got the platinum this year that rounds out every platform now completed with Demon mm. Souls 2009 <laughs> I never went back and did it because yeah. By root by um, reputation, it required manipulating world tendency and grinding out some of the materials that Tom was talking about being very yeah. onerous to do, and just having to grind out really, really rare um, leveling materials to do that didn't seem like what I wanted to spend my time in the game doing. As opposed to this time round, where the stuff like the one that stood out to me was like Fool's Idol defeating without attacking essentially killing but essentially therefore attacking any of the the um clones so any of the decoys that that's an interesting thing you wouldn't necessarily think to do but when you realize there are a couple of different tells without having to strike uh any of them to work out which is is which then yeah it's it's just something that you sort of on a repeat playthrough can quite easily go out of your way to do uh beating certain uh bosses with different weapons that maybe you don't just stumble over and think to use because that's not the build you have so it's just encouraging you to play the game in different ways i think it is a lot more straightforward but a lot more creative in that extent and uh, 2009 we're talking about very early even in in playstation having trophies at all so yeah still kind of learning how to make trophies not be punishingly difficult for the sake of it uh absolutely and and i think blue point slash Sony, whoever's decision it was, did a really good job with designing some of the trophies here. 
just makes it feel like a more rounded mm. experience in that respect, I think. We got a few three-word reviews from Twitter slash X. Uh, yeah, starting with Connor Hawks. I hate Maneater. Josh Clark says Scimitar on Stone. Robin Hoodie says Soul's Not Lost. It's a me, Strelock, says Prettier Than Elden. Telepri says Friendly Blob Boss. <laughs> Atik Bagwan says Live, Die, Repeat. And Richard Murphy says Take Another Stab. And they did. So here we are, uh, another Demon Souls podcast. As I say, if we focused more on the aspects that were different, well, that makes sense because we've covered this game before. Do go and check out our original Demon Souls podcast. It was uh, issue number 118. You can find it on our website or on Spotify for more Demon Souls chat. We've also covered, I think, all the other Soulsborne games apart from Elden Ring. Apart from Elden Ring, so, yeah. Yeah. So to summarise, in the usual manner, I'll go first, not because I'm at all negative about the game, just because I'm definitely the uh, the most inexpert uh, Soulsborne FromSoft fan, um, despite having now yeah, sunk in a good few hours over several of their games. Um, this one I enjoyed in its own way, uh, pretty much just as much as Elden Ring. I love the, the kind of the epic sweep of Elden Ring, but there is something tight and focused about this one. Um, in terms of its relationship to the original, well, uh, yeah, on a technical and artistic level, I still think it's beautiful, even if it does sort of slightly change the the atmosphere and tone of the original. But as I say, the original still exists. So if you prefer the way that one looks and feels, then play that one. Um, yeah, I sunk in 60 hours in the end or thereabouts. And uh, as I do, immediately started a new game plus, but we'll probably never progress very far with it other than just to uh, have a little look now and again. Um, and yeah, I I think I could have played it in a more interesting fashion and certainly in a more capable fashion. But in terms of the level of uh, how absorbed and how immersed and how excited I was by being in that game world, um, yeah, this will be up there with uh, any recent gaming experiences I've had. And in terms of a kind of richly atmospheric dungeon crawling horror adjacent fantasy game. Um, it, yeah, it's kind of uh, an essential play as far as I'm concerned. If you've got a PS5 and many people have now, uh, do seek it out, whether it's on a, a nice cheap disc or part of your PS Plus library or whatever. Um, make sure you play it. And yeah, it's worth even if you feel like you might bounce off it or you've been put off by all the expert talk, I think it's one of those games and genres where the way people talk about it, the enthusiasm is, is both intoxicating, but also a little intimidating. So um, take it from me. You can definitely, uh, you can get good. I promise you <laughs> by hook or by crook. Uh, Tom. You can get good or you can get swole. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that works as well. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I first played this game in 2021 after playing lots of other FromSoft titles and I don't know if I'll come back to it, but then actually doing Cane and Rinse issues does tend to put a seal on a game for me in a nice mm. way um, mm. that mm. I remember it fondly, but but probably wouldn't come back. Um, the 
it was really enjoyable to play. It is a classic of design and uh, just, yeah, design choices, aesthetic choices. Um, this game does, this remake does change some of those aesthetic choices and that has rubbed a few fans of the original up the wrong way. And I don't, I don't take that lightly. I don't sort of think that they're, they're all wrong no, uh, on every point in any way. Um, but for me, I do love the glow up. I do love that mm. the detail on the stones and the, that archway and the going up uh, into the nexus, into mm. the, up to see the monumental. Some of those doorways, just the golden light shining through mm. it. Ah, oh, there's just something about that. The being able to use photo mode as well. Uh, it's an, it's a real indulgence in this game, right? It, you can pause the game, which obviously if you have children is a godsend, although not that I play this in front of them, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but just if I need to it's go upstairs 18, and like, goodness <laughs> attend to them or something. But um, the photo mode does make the game a little bit easier, funnily enough, but it, it allows you to kind of get up close with Bluepoint's impeccable detail work and lighting and stuff. And, and that for me was worth the price of entry. Latria, Prison of Hope, the first stage uh, and the second stage with the towers and the kind of faded yellow sun in the background it's it's it kind of you remember this game was made in 2009 my favorite from software game bloodborne actually there's quite a lot uh this remake reveals quite a lot um about bloodborne and about the the architecture and design uh that from software have have always kind of put into their games and uh yeah just just that that's what will stick with me is the tower of latria that level just looks incredible in this remake and so evocative and just the guy screaming off in the distance is like please help me i love it i love it um so i can i can re recommend it most strongly honestly to, to like esthetes you know it's a great playing game it's a bit lumpy and weird you can break it over your knee but for, for people who like a good photo mode or like a beautiful kind of you know 4k uh, uh 3d environments um that you've got to see, you've got to see Latria, honestly. And the rest of the game is stunning as well. And Boletaria, the later stages, just get more and more kind of opulent and incredible. Um, so actually, as I take away, you know, my main takeaway is that that's the thing I enjoyed the most is taking photo mode shots, really. Yeah. And I, lo I still love playing it, but but it just speaks to me so much in that, in that way. Cool. Fair enough. James? Uh, yeah, so I think I can kind of sum things up by saying that after I played Demon Souls, I rolled almost straight into Dark Souls. Uh, and then because From have been so prolific with these games, um, I've just been able to kind of roll one into the next, play, yeah. replaying those on multiple platforms before then moving on to the next game. Um, and what this remake did for me was remind me how much I loved the original demon souls dark souls and bloodborne end up overshadowing most other games <laughs> including demon souls <laughs> and, but i think unfairly demon souls because like we've said a lot of a lot of from success comes from an idea they had two or three games ago and are still iterating on and finding different ways to polish or or renew refresh reuse um ideas and and sort of concepts so Playing this in in twenty twenty kind of renewed my love for Demon Souls or reminded me of my love for Demon Souls, and then playing it again now, I think I've 
ended up in the position, maybe not quite exactly where Rich is, um, but I'm never not going to want to play this game. Unlike Tom, I don't think this is a cap on the game for me. This is a reminder that instead of always going back to um, Dark Souls and Bloodborne, occasionally throw Demon Souls in the mix because it has an atmosphere unlike any of the other uh, Soulsborne games. Um, and and definitely it's it's different to play and it's similar in other ways, but as as a, a a setting and thematically and sort of tonally, it does something completely different. I get something from this that I don't get from other FromSoft games. I think this remake actually is a really great place to start. It's a small, focused game. Um, mm. Some of the opaqueness is kind of being shaved away. It still has very active messages available, uh, very active bloodstains you can use to kind of find out what's going on around you. Um, and uh, every bit as much as any of the other games has wikis and video um, sort of guides that were made for for this this remake as well. So there's plenty of material there, and I think it's a great place to hop on and look at just a slightly different take on what FromSoft have been doing in just sort of gorgeous graphical detail and with all the kind of bells and whistles you'd want of PlayStation 5. We didn't even mention the uh, haptic feedback, but... The Barely. drum you get when you've got a, mm. a buffed weapon through the controller, or you mm. know, uh, when when you've got a, a, a creature screeching near you, you feel it vibrating through the controller. <laughs> it's incredible stuff. It really is. Mm. Love a good haptic. Yeah. Let's uh, round off with Rich. Oh, I, I love Demon Souls. Like, genuinely adore this game. Um, to to borrow a phrase from Taz, the um, what was it? horrible mean-spirited little goblin game in the from yep. series for me is and forever will be dark souls in 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 a way that i don't think i'll ever truly be able to understand um the love that everyone else has for that game but yeah, um as i said during the show everything that i hear people effuse praise about dark souls i i experienced within demon souls it is um idiosyncratic it's esoteric it's a little bit confusing, but ultimately it's a very comforting and comfortable experience. And that might be because it sort of hit me at a particularly formative time in my life. I would have been around about 23 without a care in the world and certainly without children. Um, when it comes to the 2020 remake, it's what what I admire most about it is that it's preserved Demon Souls as a way to easily and uh, accessibly play a game that I fell in love with around about 14 years ago and it's made it something that I can now keep in regular rotation in a way that it fell off during the mid 2010s. Um, we didn't really get into this in too much detail but of course the SSD and the loading within the games slightly changes the the cadence of the game in a way that I think is is less optimal as impressive as it is and and, you know, it, it allows the, the developer to do some really incredible things with the actual hardware and the software. There's a sort of an element of frustration that builds in those extensive loading screens in the PS3 <laughs> that you're not experiencing within the PS5 version. But it's, it. it's it's not something to ding it with. I think um, <laughs> Demon's Souls is, is uh, the beginning of something that has really changed the zeitgeist it shifted the paradigm along with gaming and it frustrates me to hear people talk about Dark Souls as the zenith of of those kind of things when I feel like personally Demon Souls came there two or three years beforehand and, and nailed it. 
But um, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to die on that hill, and I certainly wouldn't want to fight anybody there. So I'm 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 happy that everybody loves uh, whatever FromSoft game they love. But for me, Demon Souls is is up there as the top one. As your what would your build what was your what would your build be if you were uh, if you were fighting the Dark Souls? As in the the quickest <laughs> way to go through Blue Blood Sword anytime. <laughs> All right, there you go, Demon Souls 2020. And this is the end of 2023 for us. Volume 12 is complete. We've done 12 years. And yes, we are going to do another, at least one more. So for today, it remains for me, Leon, to thank Rich, James, Tom, Editor Jay, as always, as well as all of our correspondents. And of course, you for listening whether you've listened to one or some or all of this year's output, keep listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our Patreon. Our lucky subscribers will be the first to know what our next volume has in store. So next time in issue 601, well, you'll have to wait to find out. But until then, if you're listening to this contemporaneously, Have a good holiday break if you get such a thing. Stay safe, be well, and yes, we'll be back for Volume 13 in 2024.